0: Hey, listeners, our Patreon page is live. We would love for you to support us. You can go to our website, failforwardpod.com. You can donate today.
1: You don't have to be defined by others, limited expectations, and in this box that they decide to put you in. The box doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You can be outside the box, you can be in the box, you can put the box on top of your head. It really doesn't matter.
0: Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some
1: battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's
0: tough. I had to make some decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. I am super excited to welcome Camry Mall. He is the founder of Unboxed. Welcome Camry.
1: What's up there? How you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm great. Thanks for taking the time today.
1: Oh, no problem at all. Always.
0: So, we obviously our listeners are going to tell that this sounds a little bit different cuz you are via phone. So, where are you calling from?
1: So, I'm calling from Kansas City, Missouri.
0: Yeah, but you're originally from the Natty, right?
1: Exactly, born and raised
0: Yeah, okay, tell us where you grew up yep. <laughs> Tell us about that mm-hmm.
1: uh, Yeah, so um, I grew up um primarily like the Price Hill, Western Hills area um The Westwood area But a lot of my life experiences were um either like in the, the City West area and West End um As well as um in the Evanston area That was primarily through like, you know, sports and things like that that I played Or just, you know, with my family, um um, Live, But um, yeah, a lot of my experience work kind of in those three areas.
0: You know, I, we didn't talk about this on the phone, but you went to Walnut Hills for high school. Was that, a, because if you lived in Western Hills, were there a lot of people that went to Walnut Hills from Western Hills?
1: Oh uh, yeah, like we had a lot of buses that would bus people from mm-hmm. the Western Hills, uh, Westwood areas to, to Walnut Hills. Walnut Hills pretty much I mean, if you lived in the city, yeah. I'm like pretty sure you're guaranteed um, like, bus service um, uh, to Wand Hills. But I mean, we had people from all over, like every walk of life, every shade, background, socioeconomic status, whatever. Wand Hills is a good enough spot. And I'm su- super grateful that I went there.
0: Yeah, you liked, you loved that, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wand Hills is a super special place, man. I don't think you get it. I think it gets enough credit for how special it truly is.
0: Why was it special for you?
1: Um, so I think for me, I think it was special because um, I think Wanda Hills kind of showed it was very diverse. Of course, um, like I said before, you got you know you got every race, every nationality, every social uh, economic status, but it like really felt like a um, like a family there. And I think that a lot of the issues. Granted, this was my experience. I can't speak to other people's experience. Sure. But a lot of issues that happen um, in the world, especially regarding like race and bigotry and things like that. Yeah. I didn't have those experience at at Juan Um I had a lot of friends of every race. Um, I was friends with people that were the richest to the rich and poor to poor and we just didn't care like you know you don't ask those questions it's just hey you're a cool person we vibe. it's all good like i don't care about <laughs> the other things we're cool right
0: yeah um
1: but it wasn't until i left juana hills and went to college at uc where i'm like wait this was not my experience at juana Hills what's going on it was, a, it was a bit it was a big culture shock what was the difference the yeah I mean like the biggest difference really was like at Juan Hills for example, my input was was um was was accepted. No one questioned it, people listened to what I have to say. When I say people, I mean like classmates and so forth. Sure. Um but sure. when I got to UC, I remember my first um well, one of my first classes was uh was calculus. And, you know, I had taken calculus in, um in high school. Um, I didn't. I didn't do the best, but I also didn't try that much in high school either. And but one of those was different. It's uh, a difficult school. Yeah. Um, but so when I went when I went into school my freshman year um, in my calculus class, I'm asking um, people if you know they want to study. I form study groups and so forth, um, and I'm getting a cold shoulder. Like, ah, yeah, we kind of already got a group, whatever. And mm-hmm. so we get the first test back, and I get. Like a ninety-six or ninety-four percent on the test. Most other people in the class, you know, struggled a little bit. Um, And so once they once they saw that I was at least on the same level academically as them, and most oftentimes better, it's like, oh wait, Camry, we want to be Camry's friend. It's like, no, don't be my friend now. (laughs) You had the opportunity to be my friend before when I asked. I mean, it was things like that, or it was times like in class where I would provide my input and no one would say anything, and then person a would then say the same exact thing but of course he put he or she put more colorful words you know all these other things right and it's like oh yeah that's the most profound thing we've ever heard and i'm like that's the same thing i just didn't say it that way right Right. and so there was a lot of those experiences early on that like really rubbed me the wrong way when i first started at uc so
0: because first of all you know when we talked a lot- A week or two ago I just I I love that you're going to give us a perspective that we haven't heard on the podcast before so Mm -hmm. with that um challenge at college what did you have to learn to do to overcome it
1: man so um I think the very first thing that I did and it actually it helped me to um you know to assimilate I guess Um, and, and, you know, end up working my way up in college and have a great experience overall with like leadership and study abroad and so forth. But a lot of what I had to do was just kind of, um, you know, live with some of the growing things we had or that I had. Um, but also almost like lose who I was, um, and just being willing to, you know, accept certain things, um, and, just kind of be okay with you know these people, you know they have this certain perception of me, you know because I am you know um, I am doing well in school, I am involved and so forth. So I need to keep up this perception so that they don't see the real me. And like when I finally came that came to that realization, this was after college. Yeah, that like it was like an identi- it was like an identity crisis. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking to myself. All throughout college, I'm, like, you know, putting on this front to, you know, to to my white peers and my white um, counterparts and so forth. Of course, with, with the people I trust, the people I'm cool with, you know, they see the real me. But I was putting on the front, like, probably 85% of the time I was in college. My last year, I started um, coming out of that show a little bit. But a lot of the time I was in college, I was putting on a huge front. And I'm so glad I stopped that early on, especially going into the workforce. Um, because it could have been a disaster.
0: Camry. I feel like, so I think a lot of people put on a front or a mask or a, we pretend yeah. we're somebody that we're not just yep. either for survival or to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but then when you're able to, like, be your full self, it's like such a yep. weight lifted. And I, it I mean, really I, I've definitely been in scenarios where, it, you have to work extra hard, right? Yep. Whereas if you're mm-hmm. just yourself, it just, it flows. And, and I think exactly. people, I think people, like if we were to carry this into the workplace, you know, I think there are certain mm-hmm. work cultures where if you're not like mm-hmm. that culture, you're, yeah. you're swimming upstream.
1: Exactly. Exactly. No, that, that's so true. I think, I think like with my experience from, um, from college to now being in the workforce. I think a lot of it was related to um to to survival and just, you know, wanting to fit in. Because I like, you know, in like in these environments, especially at a school like like UC us that's predominantly white, where the majority of the students there are, you know, more affluent, more well off and so forth. They kind of when they when they see um Black people and a black man, especially.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. You know, there's just this, this doubt of okay, is he smart enough? How to get it? You know, those type of things, right? Yes. Um. And so I was able to prove that I was smart enough, right? And that was that was pretty clear to everybody. Um. But then there's this question of okay, who is this kid? Where did he come from? And so you know, they, you know, it want to kind of get to know who you are, dig a little deeper to see okay, where did he come from? How is he smart, et cetera? Um, and one thing that, that I would always be afraid to share and to show yeah. um, was, you know, where I where I grew up at, you know, who my who my parents were, how much my parents struggled, um, you know, and things like that. And so, of course, it, by you know not necessarily being as vocal and sharing those things with people, I think the perception of me stayed pretty good. Um, but I mean, I don't I don't know. Of course, uh, I'm out of I'm out of school now, but. If I were to share those things, I, I mean, I never know what, what could happen. On what i in college, but now that I'm in the workforce and and, and working with Unilever, um, shout out to Unilever. I, I personally believe that it's the best, like big company you could ever work for because at Unilever, out of the different places that I've uh, that I've worked um, within within the, uh, the Unilever uh, North America network, I've always been able to be myself no matter what. Um, and be, because I'm able to be myself, like I want to come to work. Right. Um, and I don't feel like, cause I mean, that like, that shit is taxing. Like always yeah. having to put on a mask every time you walk through the door is absolutely absurd.
0: So what was the turning point for you in that? When did you shift or when did you start getting more confident
1: around that? So, um, in October of 2017, that was, I was maybe two months in, or a month or two in, um, uh, working with Unilever. We had this purpose workshop, and uh, that Unilever sponsored for the employees to go through. And basically, the purpose workshop you get it in a small group of about four or five people with with a facilitator.
0: Yeah.
1: And that um, and you tell you share life experiences and stories, given certain prompts. Um, and from those, you come up with things that you extract from those uh, those stories. Yeah. And then from those things, you come up with a purpose statement. And so from sharing my story my group was like, okay, you kind of define your own rules. You do things on your, uh, you, um, you kind of do things on your own. Don't want to follow the rules, et cetera. So yours is, you know, at the time, through, through the small group, it was fuck the box. But, you know, we can't say that in corporate America, right? <laughs> so to say to destroy yeah. the box, right? Yeah. Um, and so just from that, I, I started thinking about the ways that I've done that in my life. And then that just sparked in my mind. Was like, well, I've done this in these, in these particular things, in these particular settings, I never did that when I was in college. And the moment I realized that, yeah, I was like, "Boom! I'm sitting it you.
0: Okay, explain "fuck the box" because this is going to tie back to unboxed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, I think, I think um, oftentimes, like a lot of people try to live life based on what others may think um, or the perceptions that they have of other people, and. and um, and from the expectations that they may set for themselves that could, be, that, you know, maybe are based on insecurities and so forth. Um, but in my opinion, it's like, fuck that. Like you don't have to, you don't have to be defined by others, limited expectations. And in this box that they decide to put you in the box doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You can be outside the box, you can be in the box you can put the box on top of your head. It really doesn't matter. Um, as long as you live in as authentic to who you are, that's all that matters. And by doing so, you um in my in my experience and it, um in my opinion you live a more fulfilling life
0: so i wish you were in person so you could see me smiling right now uh, <laughs> seriously i um first of all two things i love i do think i mean i'll speak i'll do some eye statements i mean i put myself yeah. in a box at times i think growing up for me i yep. didn't put myself in the smart box like I was a hard worker but I wasn't the smartest yeah. person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and mm-hmm. then as I got older and I get more messaging around, you know what you're you are smart. You're not as stupid yeah. as you think you are. Um mm-hmm. it was that was like a huge I want to tell you that was maybe like 3 years ago. I'm not kidding you.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And never and I'm 45 yeah, it, it, years old.
1: Wow. Yeah, it seems like, and you, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that was probably based on, like, others, like, well, in order to be smart, you have to do this, this, and this. But no, smart looks different for everybody. Yeah, it was, right? it was I like, was fine in school,
0: at. but not, I wasn't in the, you know, honors classes at school. So, therefore, mm-hmm. not smart. And,
1: yeah, see, that doesn't matter. Cause that, as as we see, people who haven't even gone to college are billionaires now. So, clearly. right. Clearly, that that just that's irrelevant.
0: Okay, so so your business unbox so you're full time at Unilever, and you've got this side yeah. hustle, which I love, called Unboxed. So explain yeah. to our listeners yeah. what that your your purpose is for that.
1: Yeah, so Unboxed is all about challenging the status quo, um, and we we challenge the status quo um, through personal testimonies of others where they share the experiences. Um, that they've had in life that you know had bogged them down or you know made them feel less than, et cetera um, how they were ever overcome it. and uh, and uh, um, the, the the key message is that by sharing these uh, by sharing these stories about things that someone has been through, they can then inspire others and by inspiring a group of people or you know um, more than one person who who' gone through uh, through a similar experience, you create a culture of people who you know, are unconventional who challenge the status quo. Once you create that culture, you can then change some of the um, the, the the social issues that we have in this world. Um, and of course, we have a million of them. Hmm. Um, and so, so that's yeah. So that's pretty much uh, what what unbox is.
0: So I've read some of the testimonials, but would you be willing to share maybe one of the stories or testimonials?
1: Okay, um, I got one from um. One of my best friends. I've been knowing. I've been knowing this guy for. I really consider him a brother. He actually went to Warner Hills. Matter of fact, Um, really. His name is. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name is Jawan, Davidson. Jawan and I we met in the eighth grade, so we've been friends for like eleven or twelve years or so. Um. And so Jawan's story is basically. Um. You know, growing up, Jawan had his dad right. And yeah. so he knew his dad to be his dad. And so one day he, he found out that, hey, my dad is actually not my biological father. This is somebody, this is a man who stepped up and has been my father figure since I can remember, right? Yeah. And so so for Juwan, it was, you know, like a, a very disturbing moment finding out the person you call that, the person you love. your so father figure truly um, is in blood. And so Juwan had, um, you know, he struggled a little bit with, you know, having dad issues. Like, well, why didn't my dad love me? Like, did, like, why didn't he love me so so that he, um, you know, ended up walking out and not being a part of my life? Um, and so when Juwan um, went into fatherhood, he, you know, battled with, you know, do I, like, you know, what I'm used to is for my dad to be there, but biologically, I didn't have like my biological father probably wasn't there, right? Yeah. And so Juwan battle Jawan battled with that, but Juwan stepped up um and is a proud dad of his of his uh believe his son is four years old now. But Joan has him as as often as he can get him. Um I always see, like videos of him and things on Instagram um about um you know about you know uh with him and his spending time with his uh with his son so um, Juwan's story is basically fuck dead be dads. Like, even though someone in your family may not have been there for for you or your mom or your dad walked out and wasn't there, you do not have to keep that cycle. You can break that generational curse and be there for your kid.
0: So cool. So mm-hmm. what was your inspiration
1: for this? It was it's it's a bit of a roundabout story. Um so
0: I mean, I know I you said through Unile- to- Unilever with the purpose statement, but I didn't know if there was something more.
1: Yep. So um, during my first year um, with Unilever, had a, a manager that we didn't quite see eye to eye at, <laughs> at a certain point. Okay. Um, and it was it was getting to a point to where I'm, I was, you know, just to be honest, I was considering leaving the company. Yeah. Um. And so I'm thinking, okay, if I was to leave the company, what would I do? Right? right. And so I started thinking about the things that I enjoy most, which is usually talking to people, <laughs> telling people <laughs> stories, getting advice, you know, yeah. or giving, giving others advice and so forth. Um, but I also like watching or listening to like podcasts or interviews of people talking about what they've gone through and, you know, how they've over- overcome, et cetera. But and then I also knew that I love slogan T-shirts. Like, I love shirts that just have these cool-ass names. And so I just married <laughs> the two together, and now we have a box.
0: So, listeners, you'll have to go to his website because you can see these fantastic T-shirts. And do, doesn't that raise funds? Yes. Yeah.
1: So, uh, periodically, we have, um, like, exclusive T-shirts uh, where we use the proceeds to uh, go tours a specific, um, initiative or, or, um, or program. Um, and so, so far we've, uh, we've raised money for, uh, breast cancer research. Um, we also, um, we also were able to raise money, um, to feed, um, about, I believe it was 40 families or so, or 25 families. I can't remember. i I think the number, um, uh, but during, uh, during Thanksgiving, um, I had a Christmas sweater that <laughs> um, helped. That helped me provide uh, a, a Christmas for a small family need. Um, grace funds for um for the 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 pro abortion movement with you know everything that's been happening um in that regards and um as well as the uh, the fight for it um, LGBTQ rights and fair treatment and equitable treatment and so forth.
0: So what's your vision for this? Where do you want to, to go next?
1: Um, so I think, I think the personal testimonies are still key.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, sure still to to get those stories. Um, but I think moving forward, like we have to begin a, like attacking the system um, and, you know, putting together a team of people who will help in dismantling some of the fucked up things that we see. Like, for the the perfect example and the one thing that um that kind of sparked this change because before I just wanted to be, you know, personal testimonies, et cetera. Um, but what sparked this change was um um just regarding like the criminal justice
0: system. Yeah.
1: Criminal justice system is it's horrible. Yeah. It needs to it's it needs to be completely overhauled, et cetera. Um and so that was kinda of like the first thing that um and, and I was able to actually see how bad it was through, um, I'm not sure if, if you're probably uh, aware of uh, who the artist is, but Meek Mill, he has a highly publicized case about how the criminal justice system is, um, is messing him over.
0: Right. Um, but I also, had
1: opportunity, yep. I also had the opportunity to um, to uh, mentor the Juvenile Attention Center where I learned how messed up the opportunities are. Um, as well, I mean, you put you like you, you got kids in these rough environments. Right. Yeah. And then the the decision they have to make is, OK, I have to eat like I like I need to eat. So do I starve or do I, you know, sell drugs, sell to drugs, somebody, et cetera? Not, not that those things are right. I'm not not saying sure. that, but like these are real decisions that people have to make. And just as, it, just as we make these decisions in the boardroom at Unilever, at P&G and all these other companies. So you know, how do we turn the business around et cetera This is the same decision that these people are making um, day in and day out to, to to survive. And it's sad that when we penalize people for things like that, yeah, it's not taking into account their environments they're raised And I think that's that's just that's idiotic. It just doesn't make sense.
0: So okay, so how do you attack the system? What can others do?
1: Yeah. So um, so of course, the number one thing is you got to get educated. Like. Right? To understand the complexities of, because I mean, you can say, "Hey, you know, criminal justice system sucks," but well, okay, how does it suck? You need to be well versed in those areas, or at least at least have some knowledge um, um regarding those things. And then the next thing is, there's uh, tons of organizations you can involved in. No matter what the, no matter what initiative or um, or program or um, or thing that you want to process, there's tons of initiatives that um to, to get involved in. And then from those initiatives, because I mean there's organizations for these things there's no need to recreate the wheel but right a lot of these organizations need volunteers like you they can't most and most of them are nonprofits or or you know low or underfunded et cetera. so if you by volunteering you not only you're going to do a lot of like the lower level work right but through time through efforts, you can be you can then become a part of the conversation for the solution. Um, and that's and that's you know one of the things that that I found to be um, to be helpful. So,
0: so as I when you tell me that story about criminal justice and volunteering, the first thing I thought of was, yeah. well, he doesn't have firsthand experience of it. What yeah. do you say to people when they say that to you?
1: I mean, that's yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't have experience in law. Um, I don't have experience, you know, necessarily in the criminal justice system. But what you can do is be involved in the lives of people who are affected by it right Yeah I think I think that's the most important thing. you got to show these that you know this these people that hey this is your reality I get it like it is what it is but it just doesn't have to be what just because you're from this background and you did this thing life isn't over yet like you still have time to write that wrong or you know get back on the right path. But by not stepping in and doing that, I mean, you know, these people they don't have a positive, uh, positive example. I think you attack it that way. You always fix problems with people, not necessarily through knowledge. You have to fix problems uh, by by changing the hearts of people, mm-hmm. and that's so. Um, and, and that's that's what I believe I do.
0: So that was that is similar, very similar to a previous guest Tracy that we had on here, and she talked about. She yeah. is a a recovering addict, was homeless. I was talking to her about that. And and I was actually talking to her about, so when I see a homeless person, I want to have empathy, but I also get a little scared at times, you know, like, what if they attack me, right? And Mm -hmm. she gave some really Mm -hmm. good tips around that. Uh, But I think fear can Mm -hmm. also... Come into the hearts and minds of people when they think about the criminal justice system, right? Because they're like, uh-huh. well, they're Definitely. in jail, you know. Um, but what I think people mm-hmm. fail to realize is that some people are incarcerated for things that, like, addiction. Um, that yep, it's silly to even be incarcerating them.
1: Yep, like most, like the way I the way I view jails, jails is for or uh, prisons. Is for the poor, the the mentally, uh, or for for right. uh, those who suffer from mental health standpoint, yep. and and um, and people who are addicted, and that's yeah. I mean is it is it is stupid.
0: Not I I know I don't know percentages, but I just I do know that it's a low percent of violent crime.
1: Hmm. I mean, you get you get people who are in jail for, you know not being able to pay the supervisory fee of being on probation right like okay this person is a felon no one wants to hire them yeah and so how yeah. are you supposed to pay for this thing or you know they're on they're go to jail for child support but they're also a felon so they can't get a job so now they struggle with child support and not, i'm not trying to get people out of like i don't want the message to be construed no, no, you know no. we do know. need to take care of our kids but like look at the situations person.
0: So I love your spirit and I love that you are wor- working full time at Unilever and you have time for this. Mm-hmm. Tell me, mm-hmm. um, growing up, who was, who was sort of your inspiration for social justice?
1: Uh, my inspiration for social justice is actually my brother. Um, so my brother, he was the first in my family to go to school yeah, um, and graduate with his bachelor's degree. Um, and so, I saw bits and pieces of the things that he did at school. Um, he was, so he, he was involved in like student government and uh, stuff like that. And he would just tell me, and I would hear stories about, you know, some of the, the racial things that would, the racial conversation that would happen in the student government in student government about the things on campus. And so I saw the spirit that he had. Um, and then of course, then living those experiences, like, yeah, I have to say something you just can't be quiet and just let things happen. Yeah. You have to be vocal about it. So yeah, my my brother, like, I I probably don't tell him enough, but like my mm. brother really saved my life, and he he just by going to because I never wanted to go to school. Like school wasn't a thing because I didn't know anybody went to school, right? Yeah. And so, you didn't you? Went, it wasn't like,
0: modeled, or you didn't see people that you looked up to that did it.
1: Exactly, and yeah. like him going was like okay. I might be able to go to school since, he's, since, since he went. Then when he graduated, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> My brother did it. I can definitely do
0: it. Isn't it funny how the mind can, um, things that you don't think that you can do when you see somebody else do it, You then you know you can do yep. it? I don't know. if Do you know who Roger That's Bannister true. is?
1: That name sounds familiar. Okay.
0: Roger Bannister was the first person to break the four-minute mile. And people believe Okay, yep. People believed that, physicians believed that the human heart would explode if you ran that fast. No joke. And so, so guess what happened end. after Ron, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile?
1: Everyone started. Yes. Four minute mile, or under four-minute mile, yep.
0: Right? So you know what yep. your older brother was? He, he was your Roger Bannister.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But, like, we all have those things. But the, the thing that I try to tell people who, you know, maybe, especially with Unbox, you know, I'm too nervous to tell my story. I don't want people to know. Yeah. It's like, I get it. Like, you know, if it's something personal, I understand. Um, But think about the people you could you could help. Like, you could help somebody. You can even save somebody's life. Because that, that particular thing could be, you know, they could be on the verge of suicide for that particular thing. But then they see, hold up, Ashley just overcame yes. something similar i can do it i cool. think too
0: right with, with all social media right now everybody's life looks so perfect you know
1: and yep. it's yep.
0: malarkey
1: yep exactly exactly and that was like that's kind of another like inspiration form box as well um because just media in general is very like just it's ridiculous um you know there's a lot of like, you know, people living a perfect life or, you know, there's a lot of like things that need to kind of steer you to believe what whether it's, you know, beauty standards, race, racial tensions, like things like that, profile and stereotypes, et cetera.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's like, okay, how about we have something that's real, right? Yeah. Like something that gives people the opportunity to be as real as possible. People say, Okay, hey, I don't have my shit together. He doesn't have his shit together, neither does she. But we still live in life, we still making it happen. Yeah. So,
0: Mm -hmm. Camry, why don't you close out with telling us a story? What would be an example of something that um, really humbled you or brought you to your knees um, and that you really learned something from?
1: Let's see. This was 2014. It's actually coming up on the fifth year anniversary. Um, In 2014, um, on September 11th, going into the 12th. Um, I found out that my brother had been murdered. My oldest brother had been murdered. Oh, my God. Um, And I was in my third year of school at the time. And, I mean, of course, like, hearing something like that, especially he was only 28 at the time, it was, like, I was extremely distraught, you know, couldn't believe it, hysterical, all those things, right? Um, But before that, like, I was on a high, like, getting super involved, just finished an internship with Toyota. I was on top of the world, yeah. like grades were stellar, et cetera. Um, were you but, close with him? Yes, we, we were close. Um, so he was, um, he was about eight years, eight years um, older than I was. So like from the age gap standpoint, he was more closer with the middle brother. Mm-hmm. But like, man, my, my brother was like, he was like my superhero. Um, as well, just like, he was like this fear, like super fearless guy, always needs to protected no matter what. Um, and so his, his death, of course, losing somebody brings you to your knees, you know, things like that. But it also showed me that, you know, the time leading up to his death, I had all the opportunity in the world to hang out with him more things like that. I mean, he was older. So the opportunity, so we were just in different life stages, right? Yeah. But I had yeah. so many opportunities to, like hang out with him and you know, you know, chill with him, whatever. Um, but I didn't. And the reason I didn't was because um, I was too busy being involved, um, doing things that I knew wasn't true to who I was um, and, and really stretching myself in and kind of living up to what others expected me to do, right? Yeah. And so that moment was Was one of those things like, damn, I spent all my time doing something that I really didn't want to do for other people. And now I'm struggling with the guilt associated with knowing my brother's dead and I haven't seen him. And I believe it was about six months. Mm. I think I saw him in March and he passed away in September. And so that was like, that was one of those things I'm like, damn, if only I could go back and do what I actually want to do. Yeah, I would have spent more time with my brother, but I was just like I said before. I was just so like in this haze at UC, just trying to you know I got to move up, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I ended up missing out on precious time I could have with my brother.
0: What was your brother like? He was your old. So, is are there three or how many? How many siblings do you have?
1: Uh, so so, so it's three. Uh, okay. well, it was three of us. So I had two older brothers. Okay yeah so my older brother was like he was a great person super funny all the time like yeah. just joking around um um he was um he was a father of um a, he was five this his uh, son was five when he passed um so he's 10 now um but like my brother was just like he was everything to me like fearless super fearless person funny as hell um very hard working very smart but unfortunately he's just taken away too soon
0: did they catch the person that killed him
1: absolutely
0: they did it was Did you know few, who it, it was, was? Actually, yep.
1: who? uh i yeah well i i didn't know him prior to um yeah. but you know we our circles aren't too far apart
0: and why did he kill him
1: it was for a very stupid reason. Um, my brother, he had got, he got involved in some, um, in something like five years prior, um, that, um, it was, um, like from a self-defense standpoint and the person that, um, that he ended up being involved with then was related to the person that, uh, that ended up killing him. So. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was it was a it was very sad, but I mean I'm glad that you know person was caught and he's not able to do that to anybody else.
0: Yeah. So your mm-hmm. biggest learning lesson from that was time is precious and to spend it with
1: absolutely
0: the people that matter.
1: Absolutely, and spend it doing the things that matter to you. Like, yeah, if it doesn't matter till you stop doing it. Like it's just that simple.
0: You had a pretty, um, you had a pretty transformational college career.
1: Oh yeah, you know,
0: seriously, I did. Like growing pains, wise, Mm -hmm. like good, but hard. It sounds like challenges too.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure.
0: Camry, thanks for sharing that story. Mm -hmm. Any last minute um, advice to our listeners?
1: Um, my. I guess like my only piece of advice is like no matter what you're doing in this world, um, just never or always stay true to yourself. Of course, and if anything feels out of whack or feels like something that you know you shouldn't be doing or something that doesn't agree with your spirit and your soul, just don't do it. Like fuck what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter. Mat- it, only thing that only thing that matters is what you think. And at the end of the day, you have to go to the grave knowing that you lived life that was you lived a life that was purposeful. And so. Like for everything that goes against your own personal well-being or the well-being of others, nah, fuck that, don't do it, and you will be a-okay, and you will be very pleased with your life afterwards.
0: You know what? You are the best. I wish that you were <laughs> actually in in here so that I could see your your smiling face. <laughs> Seriously, next time Thank you come you, to sir. Cincinnati, you need we need to meet in person.
1: I will actually be in Cincinnati. Um, what? I'm, I may be in Cincinnati in August, oh my God. but I will definitely be in Cincinnati in September.
0: Okay, will you text me? I will. All right. Thanks for being on the show today.
1: No problem, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
0: I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian, Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at failforwardpod.